good evening, good morning, and good night to all of you out there. <laughs> it is Staircase to Nowhere. Cover it all. We're so glad you chose to join us today for our Ministry and Culture podcast, where we talk about ministry methods that at one point worked, but now feel more like a staircase straight into a brick wall. And we talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus, live out the gospel in our American culture and context today. My name is Noah, and I'm here with my friends. I am friend A, also known as David. <laughs> friend B, reporting, Sam Carroll over here. Hello, but everybody. it's not like A team, B team. It's not It's not like no. that. Okay. No. I'm friend three. Yes. <laughs> You're friend B. Yeah. I must so, decrease. <laughs> today we've got another great topic for you. We're going to be talking about why are people walking away from the church? If you are around our age, you probably have quite a few friends that maybe grew up with you in church and are not following Jesus anymore, or you uh, may have doubts or questions yourself, and we want to talk more about why that is. But first, David, you and I got to see Jesus Revolution. It was so fun to watch that movie with you. No, we didn't see it together. No. Hey. Oh, okay. I saw (laughs) it with Rebecca. Who did you see it with? Who's Rebecca? That's my girlfriend. Ooh, I was just, it's the first time you've mentioned her on the podcast. Yeah, so no way. That can't be true. Uh, yeah. No, Probably. you have not brought it up. Oh, You're dating yeah. someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a you have of the girlfriend variety. Mm-hmm. We've talked about our spouses, me and David have. So people have probably been like, is Noah single? But he is not. He is Taken. not. He's not ready to mingle. He is not. He is he is taken. He is of having girlfriend. I'm so taken yes. by one of our loyal listeners who's going to yes. hear this and maybe be the lo- so Maybe the loyalist. <laughs> you yeah. don't even believe it. Well, yeah, you got to see it, and I got to see it. I got to see it two times. No way. Wow. Why two times? I did. One time I saw it with the Reverend Neil. The father and, Reverend Neil? Papa Neil. And the mother Neil and the wife Neil. <laughs> Yes, the four of us saw it in Fort Wayne. It was a great time. We got Noodles and Company and then watched it. Oh, I like Noodles and, and Company. Brought our noodles <laughs> into the movie theater. <laughs> With our company. Hot, hot butter noodles. <laughs> oh, yeah, brought noodles to the butter machine at the movie <laughs> theater. Just, uh, that's what this is for, right? Lovely and Italian I- entrees. <laughs> <laughs> Butter substitute on my pad thai. You saw it twice. Yeah, and then I took my church to see it. Really? Did you have a good turnout from the church? Yeah, so we had 10, 11 people show up. Wow. Nice, man. Yeah. So um, of a church of like 25 people, I don't know how to do statistics. (laughs) Percentage-wise. Wait, you had... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 25 people, 10 showed up. That's good. Yeah. 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 You got almost half the uh, church. That's crazy engagement. Nice work, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I bet churches twice the size are ha- hoping for half the turnout. Absolutely. Math. math. <clears throat> this was very interesting to see it with both of these groups. Mm. One, um, my, my story is in some ways... Like, my personal testimony is in some ways thanks to this movement mm. because it was through this movement that my grandma and grandpa got saved and my mom got saved. And the 
reason my dad got saved was based off of the real life story of this movie. Well, And so I got saved because of my parents getting saved, because of my grandparents getting saved, because of the influence this movie had. The real story. Yeah. Can can either one of you guys give a quick, like, what is this no, movie sorry. about? Okay. <laughs> Gotta see it. As I haven't seen it, I know kind of what it's about, but people listening who are like, oh, cool, you went and saw a Christian movie. <laughs> It's got Jesus in the name. Yeah, like what? And Frazier. Oh, and Frazier's in it. So it's Frazier is in the movie. The story wow. of the Jesus movement, which, as we have mentioned on this podcast, and we said, I think that's just when hippies became evangelicals. It's exactly that. That's and you've happened. never met a hippie today because they all became Christians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where all the hippies went. No, I never met a hippie. <laughs> Um, there's, it's the story of a pastor in California named Chuck Smith, who's an older guy, has an older congregation and a daughter who is kind of rebellious and seeing the hippies. Yeah, exactly. She's questioning her faith. She sees the hippies out there and, uh, the dad just can't believe it and says, God's going to have to introduce me to a hippie to explain what all this is about. And she meets a man who's dressed like a hippie and has Jesus Christ's face on the back of his shirt and so she says oh you need to come meet my dad and his name was Lonnie and he was like coming from San Francisco with the gospel uh so he speaks with her father who's a pastor and is amazed to meet a real life pastor um and he just has such like a broken heart for the hippie culture because he knows what Jesus saved him from and believes in the gospel and wants people that are searching for a spiritual experience through drugs, through free love, through these like big concert venue kind of experiences, like to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And so he starts inviting him to his church and Lonnie starts inviting all his hippie friends. And that makes some of the older people in the church kind of riled up and ruffled that people without shoes would come into the church building. The elderly are easily ruffled. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Um, <laughs> the movie but ends. as he's preaching the gospel, it's a way that people can understand, and it's something that connects with their experience hearing about who Jesus is and how he was a radical. And they receive the gospel, and more and more and more people come, including a young man named Greg. And this man, Greg, gets saved. It's his testimony story. And the story of his girlfriend. And that man, Greg, went on to be Greg Laurie, who's a pastor of a large church in California today. And is known... And Chuck Smith <clears throat> started the Calvary Chapel movement, which has thousands of churches, too. So Exactly. And Lonnie went on to help start the Vineyard Church movement, which is another denomination uh, that is pretty... But Lonnie has a more difficult story. It's very complicated and very fun, but it's not really touched on in the movie. Um, so, um, but just an interesting film. Um, for me, I felt like the dialogue was suffered from Christian movie syndrome and which like, it just was so stilted sometimes. And I'm like, people don't talk like this. Um, but I was really struck by just, especially Lonnie's heart for the culture and just like knowing like his people. And knowing that people are searching for something and I need to share Jesus with them. And that just spoke so much to me of like, dang, we got to know our culture. And we got to know our people. And we got to know how to communicate the gospel in a way they understand. Because it was almost a perfect staircase to nowhere movie. Uh, The (laughs) old people in the church 
We're used to church being a specific way, but that's not the way that was going to reach that generation that they needed. And so they had to go back to the gospel and reimagine what church should look like for that generation. And that's when they put guitars on the stage in church for the first time. You know, like if you go to a church with a guitar on a stage now, that's where it started. So it's just like, it's so fun uh, that they had to reimagine how do we reach this culture? And we're, I think every generation has to come to that same question of how do we reach our culture with the message of the gospel? So I, um, summary and thoughts. There you go, David. Yeah, nice. That's good. I, I cried twice in the movie. Oh, me um, too. Me too. Did you cry think, twice both times you saw it? Or Yes. Same Woo! two scenes. Dang. Um, Noah, can you guess one of the scenes that I cried in? When Greg gets baptized. Not quite. Mm. So, spoiler alert, alert. Sorry. Spoiler alerts. <laughs> That's all. That's the alert. <laughs> I'll pause a second. Skip forward. An one undis- minute. Yeah, an undisclosed amount of time. And then, well, yeah. So, it was the scene where the church leadership gets mad and walks out. And the old man gets up and sits... Ooh, I could cry thinking about it now. Goes and sits with the hippies. And um, I think the movie really hit me, being the pastor mm. of a small, mm. old school church. Mm. Um, I think I was challenged, am I leading my congregation in a way to help this not happen type of thing? Mm. And so the man getting up and sitting with them was impactful. And then him washing the feet of the hippies. And... The scene where the man comes into the meeting who's strung out on coke or whatever and like, I'm going to die. And then the guy getting baptized, like the people coming up to just pray for him on the drop of a hat and then getting baptized. Mm. Woo! Man, that's good. <laughs> uh, um, and I think for me, so I, um, I think it was cool to see it with my parents because um, there was a group of people who experienced one of these revolutions and then wanted to bring it here to indiana and so they went and preached at a little country methodist church uh called union chapel and that's where my mom and my grandpa both got saved was in one of those meetings from people who experienced this this movement um and so that was really cool to like see some of the backstory behind it um Coincidentally, I've also listened to a decent bit of Chuck Smith's sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are ever looking for a sermon on just the most random piece of scripture, he has preached on. Oh, <laughs> so you can look up like deep tracks only. Yeah, honestly, he's he because he is. There's recordings of him like he is very. Uh, you know, he preaches through the entire Bible, right? And so. There are recordings, I think, I'm not going to quote it per se, but I think there are probably recordings on YouTube of him preaching on basically every book of the Bible, every chapter, every verse. Maybe not every verse, but by and large, like if you need, if you want someone's opinion on a piece of scripture, the odds of him having something out there are, are pretty high. <clears throat> so that was, I didn't even know that was him. I just, when I was um, doing some research on a tough piece of scripture, I looked it up and I was like, oh, I've heard of this dude. And then I was like, oh, wait, you know, I figured this out wow and um, but the Cal- calvary chapel movement's huge like there's so many calvary chapels across the the states yeah 
And what was your church's response? That was super interesting. So, um, <laughs> the funniest, <laughs> you can tell they're all retired because we went to like a 12 o'clock matinee showing on a Tuesday. On Tuesdays. Oh, that's awesome. And it was all, yeah, everyone in the theater was gray hair. Um, Got the senior but, discount. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. They said, can we go to get, get the senior discount? I was like, what about me? I don't get the senior discount. <laughs> Um, I should have asked for, you know, I brought 10 people. I feel like I should get my ticket for free, but, um, makes sense. Classic pastor. I was trying to get something for free. It was still 10 bucks a ticket at 12 (laughs) o'clock on a Tuesday. $10. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so I had a variety of people who showed up, um, to the movie, and I was really excited for the people who came. And so I just was talking with um, two of them at our Bible study we just had a couple hours ago, and we were talking about, like, what what can we do to, to change? Mm. And so they're they're thinking of ideas of, like, wow. what we can do to reach the people who we're not reaching. And so they're talking about maybe we need to meet a different time or place or style. So the good thing is they're, ask, they're like, asking the right questions and stuff like that. That's so so cool. I'm really I'm – really, Really proud of uh, these two ladies. I don't know everyone else. I haven't heard everyone else's, but these two are really um, engaging with it. So mm, They're focusing on the main thing. How do we reach people with the gospel in our community? Right. Well, and I, I told them a very a very challenging story is that same church, Union Chapel over in Muncie, it had a very, it had a, it was very similar to my church now. Small, dying church. They bring a young pastor in, and this is this dude who's the pastor there now has been the pastor of that church for since he was like 20 years old and he's like 65, 70 years old now. That's unheard of in the Methodist church. Um, and it's now a church of like 2,500 to 3,000. And so I said, the thing is, it's we can't like, it's not the building, right? Like it, God can do amazing things. So we just have to be open to it. And um, basically it brought to that hard conversation. And I, and I actually really value like, my grandma for this. So she was going to that church basically most of her life. And um, this church has made big changes, right? A church that's that old has had to make big changes to get to 2,000, 3,000 people. And, um, you know, at one point it was your classic, like, hymnals and organ and high liturgy and sitting in pews. And basically they kind of came to this point of like, you know, I really like pews and I like organs and I like hymns, but my kids and my grandkids, they don't, they're not coming to Mm. it. Right. So it's that idea of willing to sacrifice Mm. what you want, what your opinions are, what your desires are for the sake of someone else. This is what we talked about in my Bible study today is like, basically the, this is not as extreme, but to lay down your life for a brother. Right. In some ways, this is a version of sacrificing. Like, I'm most comfortable in this specific type of church, mm. but I know other people are not. So aside from changing the gospel, what can we change in order to make room for people to come to the gospel? Um, and so that's the, that's the interesting question that my church is in the midst of trying to, to discern. Which is an amazing segue. 
Did you plan that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, incredible segue because the part that made me cry was the way that Lonnie's heart was broken for the people. And just, I felt that desire, like, I want to see God work. You know, I just want to see God work in people's hearts and people's lives today. And it takes us knowing our culture and knowing our people. And so it got me just like thinking like, who are our people? Who is this generation? Who are the hippies? Who today? are our hippies? Who are the hippies yeah. that we're trying to reach? And uh, Sam, you got an article for us? Boy, oh boy, do I. Raise your hand if you like data points, data points. I like data. I like data. Um, <laughs> so I like dates. Okay. The fruit doesn't apply here. Um, but yeah, no. So this conversation about like, man, who, who is this generation? Right. Who are we like in the, in the larger conversation about what are the trends? Like, where are people going? All of us have probably seen studies and just anecdotally from our own lives, um, seen people that were maybe nominally Christian or culturally Christian walk away from the faith or disassociate themselves with, um, the church, like to, to kind of like, um, it's no longer like normal or the default to be like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I hold to these values and stuff. Um, but Barna's putting out some, some studies right now about, um, just get, gathering actual information about doubt and faith and why mm. people say that they doubt the Christian faith, why they are walking away from the church, just kind of some of the whys behind it. Um, I thought it'd be fun to do, uh, like a game show type Ooh. thing. Ooh. Somebody give me music. I'm in. Give me music. Go. It's <laughs> that is way better than what I was hoping for. I think Man. three people just or, turned it off. Yeah, everybody. That was not it. No. Or maybe job, we baby. pause for some royalty-free music. <laughs> Now that we're back from our royalty-free intro music, um, yeah, so Barna is a reach research group here in the States, and they tackle all things religion and spirituality. So if you are interested in like church world or religious trends, they're asking people questions and gathering information on it. Ooh. Um, ooh. So they put, they put together this study, they surveyed pastors, and then they also surveyed other people who are self-identified as like practicing Christians, non-practicing Christians, um, non-religious. There's you know a lot what of Noah s- always tells, you know what Noah always tells me? What? He says he's not a practicing Christian, he's perfected it. Oh. Oh my gosh. You're Very lumping Wesleyan me in with your you. holiness <laughs> people. He's here. Um, Doesn't need to practice. <laughs> So there, there's some interesting things that I, I thought was I, I thought were, there were some interesting things from this this specific study. Well, I'll throw a link in the show notes, but um, I want to throw it out to you guys. There's a lot of subcategories. Um, I want to ask you specifically about Christians. They're asking this cr- this question to people who say raise their hand, check the box that they say I'm a cr- I'm a Christian. And here's the question: Do any of the following cause you to doubt? Christian beliefs. So the question is to just Christians, right? Do any of the following cause you to doubt uh, Christian beliefs? I'll give you a, 
a couple of the answers they provided. I want you to rank what you think were, you know, from like percentage wise, the highest to lowest percentage of people responded. This causes me to doubt. Oh, so we're not personally answering it. We're guessing. What yeah. The guessing like how many people do you think answered like, yeah, the high, you don't need to get the percentage right, but just like, yeah, I think this would be the, the most to, to is the there least. a prize oh. for the winner? Yeah. Um, I want a prize. Yeah. I'll find an NFT any or something. And I'd like a starburst. You. Ooh. Or okay. Reese's. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> Sam says, I, will I don't do know that. how I'll get that to you. <laughs> I don't know how the No, what do you work. want as your prize if you win? I just want a $25 gift card. Is that too much to ask? That is so much more than That's some Starburst and some $25 too much to ask. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sam, so, if, for those of you playing at home, for everybody, all right, I'm going to read some of these off. You ready? Rank them okay. in accordance of what you think. So, All right, should I write them down? Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism. Science. Hypocrisy of religious people. Human suffering. And woke Christianity. Wokeness. Wokeness. The woke church. <laughs> I didn't write this down. I'm yeah, not I'll read them again. So, and there's a lot more in this question, but I'm just going to give you some. And then, so we've got no. What did I? What did you write down? Make sure I say all this, the same ones. You said Christian nationalism, science, hypocrisy in the church, suffering, and woke Christianity. Let's just know it. You and I just arrange it. You want to arrange it together? Oh, no, 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 separately, but, oh, separately, but and just then we'll arrange say. it. Yeah. All right. Let me here, uh, do some, uh, add some music here. <laughs> in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. <laughs> most of my days, chilling out, <laughs> relaxing. I don't think this is royalty oh, free. It's not real. I'll have to pay for that. Crap. Yeah, right. we're going to have um, to share some of our earnings with uh, the Will Smith. The listens I'm getting from my mom will have to pay for this. <laughs> All right, what did you guys know? What you what you got? I'm gonna call. We'll just call it time. I just I'm curious to see what you guys said. Number so, one, well, I said hypocrisy ahead. in the church. What did you say, David? I said hypothetically hypocrisy <laughs> in the church. So well, I just I just wrote HYP, and so I was like, what, what, what did was that, that word? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? Because I think that people see people not living out what they say they believe, and I think that makes them go, "This isn't real." Okay. All right. Don't tell us the answers. I won't. Yeah. No, yeah. N- number two, I said suffering. Oh, my, Noah, that's exactly. <laughs> David. Um, this is not a very entertaining quiz if we answer no, the No, this is words. cool. If you guys are nailing, or you guys are like assuming well, you're oh, nailing it. Oh, yeah, he said yeah, you're nailing it. Yeah, you're No, right. you're, not, you're not getting it so far. Next. So, you're, not, you're not getting it. <laughs> next, I okay, said science. Next? No. <laughs> Dave, you don't have the correct answers. <laughs> You're like, no, that's not it. I put nationality. Okay. Nationalism? Nas- Christian nationalism. Okay. The na- national- People's nationality. Yeah. People's nationality. I put Christian nationalism fourth, but only because I think... I put science fourth. Uh, all right, so we flipped those two, and we both put woke Christianity as last. 
Yep, because we're asleep. <laughs> Stay woke, people. Okay, All right, Sam, so how do we do? Actually... Now that we know it's wrong, now that we know it's wrong, Noah, let's do it again. <laughs> there you go. All right, drum roll. So, out of the things, nobody can hear these drum rolls. Out we did silent drum rolls. Um, number one on the list that I presented was human suffering. So, Christians, oh. Oh. human suffering gives them the most, like, most reason to doubt. The problem um, of evil. Faith. Okay. Problem of evil. Number two, hypocrisy in the church. Oh, man. So, and to talk percentage, 23% of people responded to human suffering. 22% of people responded to hypocrisy. So, it was neck and neck. Um, were, were they allowed to pick only one or were multiple. they allowed to pick You were allowed to pick multiple. multiple. Yeah. So, so these that were, doesn't can, feel like that high of a percentage, honestly. Yeah. No. Only 23% so then, of people said so. Number three, three, practicing Christians. Number three, woke Christianity at 14%. Dang. We're talking 14%. about what Christians say? Yeah, Christians are saying, oh. all Christians report that woke Christianity causes them to doubt Christian beliefs. All right? No, we should not go on any any TV shows. And yeah, lose. for like survey says, we don't know. Yeah, you guys <laughs> well, what are the Christians bad. say? They're number four of- is Number four is science. Only 11% of Christians say that science causes... Oh, I got that one right. Nice work. That is the only one I got right. And then at 8% Christian nationalism, 8% of respondents said that Christian nationalism... Okay, if anyone listening to the podcast got more than one right, Sam owes you Reese's Pieces. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So respond to us on Instagram, and I will send you... And there's no way for us to... Make sure you're being truthful. (laughs) We'll follow up next week. Okay, so some of the, just so you guys can hear some of the other, like, um, options people have to choose from. Wait, can we guess? Yeah, sure. What what else do you think? Uh, Bad experience in the church. I don't know how you classify that. Church hurt. Past experiences, experiences with religious institutions. Um, Boom, roasted. I'll read some. They don't believe in the Bible. Bible's not trustworthy. Negative representation. Excuse me. Bad reputation of the church. What were you saying, Noah? They don't believe the Bible's trustworthy. Uh, difficulty of interpreta- of interpreting the Bible. That's one. Yeah. Uh, church softball league was too mean to them. <laughs> yeah. Oddly specific, but yes, that was... <laughs> it's crazy. That was the top response. Um, I'm just going to read them off because it will... I think it proves, a, proves an interesting point, I think. Difficulty understanding Christian history. The resurrection of Jesus... Conflict oh. in the world, unanswered prayers. Mm. Um, yeah, those are like that. Those are, I listed all of them, but we've listed a lot of things hypocrisy, human suffering, Christian national, unanswered question, unanswered prayer, difficult, like lots of lists. But across the board, um, for responding Christians, do you know what the number one like reason people doubt religious beliefs, like the number one response was? It was the other box. The other box at the bottom of the, like, you know how you can choose other, right? Like on a survey. Um, yeah. So of all these questions, like it, the really interesting thing, um, sorry if I'm talking a lot, but this, this is kind of a cool thing to tune into. When they surveyed pastors, why do you think that people are doubting their, their beliefs? The number one response was past religious uh, or past experiences with the religious institution. 83% of pastors said, that's why people are walking away from the faith. 
But mm. that ranked really low on other people's responses. If you Weird. go all the way to the bottom of the survey, so the none of the above categories, pastor said 2% of people, but then all Christians responded with four, with 40% of Christians said that other reasons caused them to doubt their faith. So mm. pastors are saying that other option is like a 2%, but all Christians are clicking that box 40% of the time, which isn't, I just saw that because my mind goes to, yeah, of course, it's like, it's got to be other people's like hypocrisy in the church or experiences at church or something that is causing people to walk away. But like across the board, people are saying, no, I, the reason I'm doubting doesn't fit into the categories that yeah. you are, that you are presenting. And pastors are assuming church leaders are assuming just like I did. <laughs> yeah. Just, well, just like I did, I went into the survey. I was like, this is going to be a stupid survey. It's all because of like, you know, hypocrisy in the church or whatever. But like, Christians responding are saying, I mean, yes, but the majority of the time, it's not Christian nationalism. It's not, you know, my past, it's not even my past church hurt. It's something other. And I don't know what that other thing is because it's the nature of the response. Um, but isn't that interesting that church leaders are, we're kind of all assuming that it's hypocrisy or that it's past experience, but people are responding by saying, no, um, it's some other thing. So. It's so, al- yeah, interpret the data. That's interesting. It's almost like we think we can diagnose the problem. Mm-hmm. And like we know because we're church leaders why people are walking away. And maybe we even feel guilt like it's something that churches have done wrong. But actually we need to just sit down with a person and just say, why are you walking away from the church? You know, because... People have their own individual reason why that didn't fit in that list of like 12 responses. Yeah, lots of stuff. And lots of things that are real problems, right? But still, Mm. yeah. Um, And I think this goes back to maybe like the first real conversation that we had, like this whole pastors are not influencers type thing. Like if as a church leader, as a pastor, what you just said – Man, like if you're like, there's a lot of assumption that has to happen if you're not sitting down with your people, if you're not walking with your people, it's just kind of you're assuming why they're walking away, but you haven't had the conversations about, oh, this other box was checked for this reason. And the only way I can Mm. know that it's not a data point that comes through relationship. Like that comes Mm. from something that I can't really quantify. I can't really check the box and explain why I don't feel like this is true. Um, there's mm. something more internal that's happening in people. And I think that is like, that's a, that's a real spiritual journey that people are on. Like when, when it comes to working out their faith, um, it's hard to just check box. Like, why don't you believe it? X, Y, or Z. It's like, well, I don't know. Like it's a lot more complicated than that. David. Problem is um, that doesn't even, that doesn't sell any books. <laughs> ah, right. <clears throat> I know that's. You just started a fire. Thing. Like literally in your uh, office. You- <laughs> what are you doing? That's why I said your name. <laughs> what? Oh, it's a candle. I saw like I saw it smoke, and you were like blowing something out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Okay, no cool. Hurt. Um, but yeah, the problem is like that answer is too complex, right? Like mm. to say like, well, we don't really know what 45 or so such and such percent of the people are, so there's really no way, and that is so unsettling, right? Mm. To me, if we know it's hypocrisy, oh, we can work on hypocrisy, right? 
Yeah. We know it's church hurt. Oh, we can work on making sure we have better HR and stuff like that. If it's, you know, biblical narrative, all that, whatever, we can solve that. But to say the majority of people can't even put a word to why they're upset, like, oh, that is unsettling. Yeah. It is for me. Like, I'm like, I need to know what the problem is so Mm -hmm. then I can fix it. And the problem is to go to, okay, so the county I live in has 45,000 people who are unchurched, right? Mm. How do I go to 45,000 people and ask them why they're unchurched, right? That's just a, that's a, yeah, that's a, I don't know, it's just an unsettling place. Yeah, so what do we do about it? I think I love it worked out great the the movie setup about who are the hippies, man? Like who mm. like what is it what is it about how we have structured North American church that is causing so many people to say this doesn't sit right with this thing that has been true for g- the generations before me like doesn't sit right with me. It's not working. And it's not because of it. It's like, I can't just point at you and say, it's that or that it's that. Um, but there's something that is just like this generation, like I would, you know, I don't know. What do we mean by this generation? Are we talking Gen Z? Are we talking millennial and younger? That's a good question. Like, um, I think my, in my head, I'm thinking like thirties and under when I'm thinking this generation. So kind young of, millennials, old yeah. Gen Z's. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I just to put a category to it. Um, that's helpful. Yeah. So, okay. Team, team STN. Now we have an acronym, but like, what are some of these defining characteristics? If we had to group that generation, what do you, how would you diagnose and say what's different between if I compare my, you know, 20 year old sibling to my, like the beliefs that they have compared to like my mom or something, I can start pulling mm-hmm. out some differences and just like way to interpret the world and philosophy and stuff. What are some things that you guys have observed in your life and friendships and ministry and stuff? Well, I think the most defining characteristic of our generation and below is that we grew up with the internet. Mm. Like this concept of digital native, right? Yeah. That was true of the young millennials who grew up with, a computer in the living room that had dial up, but is even more so true of Gen Z who grew up with smartphones in their pocket. Yeah. You know? And so like the access to all the information and like uh constant consumption of content so that we never have to be bored. You know, there's yeah. like yeah. teenagers will even talk about kind of like a fear of the silence or like fear of their own thoughts, you know, cause they're just not used to, having that kind of space. There's such a, a, con- a digital connectedness and yet such a loneliness. Um, one of the main things of our culture is this prevalence of mental illness, of anxiety, depression. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's what you got? Yeah. yeah, it's just, 
uh, we're seeing the highest rates ever of mental illness, um, but there is a real like desire for therapy, a desire to work through those things, um, like removing stigmas that were previously held by generations before them. So there's like this like desire to be healthy, this desire to talk about what's toxic and root that out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a real like fear of authority figures and institutions and just a desire to kind of like the more authentic, you know, like TikTok videos are not well produced. They're just made by someone's like selfie camera. And that's what people like about them. You know, that it's just like something that seems like it didn't take that long to make, but probably did, you know, that it seems like (laughs) it's very authentic and real and it's not produced and it's not um, got this, all these people behind it. You know, but you like know the influencer, you have a relationship with them. I don't know. Those are my perceptions. Yeah. I think the, uh, yeah, I think, uh, the concept of authenticity is important. Yet, there's this inauthenticity that inherently comes with social media, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you've seen um, Bo Burnham's eighth grade, Seventh grade? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth. Um, eighth grade. He does a really good job explaining what goes to the mind of an eighth grader. And, like, the girl tries to take the perfect selfie, and she takes, like, 30 different selfie pictures and then posts one of them to try to be authentic, but then she also posted a thousand of them. And then, that, then we have the rise of be real, right? <laughs> and there's still this, like, move towards trying to be authentic. I think the other one I've realized is, at least in my context with the kids at the school, there's a need to know. They want to know Mm. why. Um, They don't want to just be told the rules. They need to know why behind the rules. Um, And I ran into that a lot. Like when I took a group of kids on this missions trip, we had a no phone policy, okay? And that was really hard for a lot of them. Um, But then when I explained why we were doing it, Oh, that's fine. That's easy. We can do that. <laughs> wow. It was so it was such a learning curve for me cuz I've done countless camps and stuff like that and no one raises too big of a funk with cell phones. But this was the first time I had such a big fight about phones. But then as soon as I explained why, they were they were chill with it. And so I think it's this this desire to be looped in. I don't know. I don't know what's behind mm. that. Um But I think I think if you look at like, so I'm, I'm a millennial, um, and you look at like the generation of uh, that I'm in, and there really is a very significant difference between a, a Gen Z and a millennial. For sure. Um, yeah. And, and it's interesting because <clears throat> uh, they're so like they're they're similar in in the the history of the world. It's in a very similar timeline, right? And they had a lot of the same experiences, but I think like in many ways, the work ethic of a Gen Z is better than a millennial person is what I've ran across and heard other people talk about. Um, I think there is a deeper spiritual hunger for y- these younger kids than, yeah. than my generation. Um, but then there's also a distrust in institutions, right? Um, they want the, uh, they want the real deal. They don't want high performance thing. And that's where I think in some ways, some of these um, high production value churches are not attracting 
mm. the next generation uh, super well. But then that's why I think going back to our previous podcast about the Asbury revival, right? This, that's the epitome of this generation. Unplugged, no celebrities, right? Just real deal authenticity. So, Yeah. When I think about millennials, I think about the like kind of the first generation to delay a lot of the big life things, you know, that a lot of millennials aren't getting, they're getting married later and later. Um, they're not buying houses because of student loan debt or other reasons. Um, there's kind of like, some people call it the prolonged adolescence, you know, that we're like choosing to arrested development. You might call it. I love that. Jim. Um, that it's like, a. It's easier to stay on parents' health insurance until you're 26. You know, a lot of millennials are not getting. And then like, don't get it. Yeah, exactly what I did. <laughs> um, a, a lot of millennials are not getting the kind of jobs that their parents got. Um, maybe because they're not as prevalent, or maybe because they, they don't want it. aren't as ambitious. I'm not for sure. Um, but yeah, they're not getting the kind of jobs with the benefits. Often the the millennial stereotype is they're a gig worker or have done like a ton of jobs since they graduated college. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> yes, the world is. I have different. lived. I've lived in six different places in six different years and had like eight or ten jobs since I've graduated. So I am living into that. You're a millennial, dude. Uh, <laughs> Right, I just moved too. Surpri- <laughs> surprise, surprise. So it in and it was probably true of our parents' generation as well. But I think that today among our generation there's a lack of rootedness in that there's not like I don't know too many people who live in their hometown. And I'm living in a city right now, Raleigh, which is like the epitome of that right now, that like millennials are moving here. Uh, because there's a lot of like good like tech jobs and other kinds of jobs here. And so millennials are moving here and the houses are somewhat affordable still and they can buy them for the first time. And it's just so interesting. I will see on Facebook, which the only time people update Facebook is if they're moving and you see people move to somewhere like South Dakota or somewhere like Idaho or somewhere they don't know anybody because there's kind of this like pursuit for like work. And they're taking the job wherever it is, even if it means being really far away from home. And I think that's kind of maybe it might even stereotypically be white millennials. I'm not sure of other ethnic groups, but I, I see that. Like, well, that may be specific life stage, too, because I think I've seen people once they have kids. Well, then they want to settle parents, down. Yeah, then they, they want, move back. They want free babysitting. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's definitely like a. People don't live in their hometown their whole lives in general today. And, and they don't have the, they don't work at the same job for 40 years. Right. And we're seeing them move to these kind of large cities and be there a couple years and then move to another large city and live there a couple years from Atlanta to Denver to Raleigh to Indianapolis to Miami to Louisville. You know, like there's this kind of, this move of the millennials. <laughs> Okay, so just to synthesize maybe some of the things that you guys have already shared, um, a, few, a few words come to mind from this conversation. So one, I would say this generation really is um, just against 
the idea of institutions. So when we talk about institutions, this generation is like the, like burn it all down. Like, you know, the very, some very progressive voices are championed by this generation who are saying like, we need to change it all. We need to do something different. The way things that status quo is not okay. Um, in government, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also like in ch- in like churches too, just this um, maybe hesitancy towards, um, you know, big authority figures or like, this is how it's always been done. So we got to do it that way. Um, just the institution kind of has a, gives people a bad taste in their mouth in this generation. Another thing I would say, definitely, which you guys have already hinted on is just like individualism and autonomy. Like people really mm. value the ability to say, this is my life. These are my beliefs. This is who I am. And I'm going to do what I want with that. Like you, right. you don't get to tell me anything, whatever. I, I'm my own person. I get to move how I want. I get to operate how I want. I get to believe what I want based on how I feel. Um, but then the last thing, like, I think you guys would agree, just people are spiritually sensitive. Um, even if they're rejecting maybe the more traditional like forms of religion or streams of Christianity, like there's people are still open to this whole idea that there's something other than just the natural world. Like um, right. we are not just products of the natural universe, but we want to be tapped into this universe. We want it like there's still a spiritual element. Like my people I work with, a lot of none of them are like professing followers of Jesus Christians, but some of them like carry crystals in their pockets or subscribe to mm. some, you know, the, the, like pick and choose from different religious philosophies. Like, oh yeah, I, I still believe this. I still believe in this metaphysical reality, whatever. So there's still an openness to spirituality, but there's a hesitancy towards the institutions of religion. And the conforming to even I would say like to conforming to like the teachings of Jesus to say like I have to change mm-hmm. who I am in order to like be a part of this thing. Like there's some hesitancy t- towards that. There's there's this high value of like just individualism and autonomy that rubs against some like traditional like orthodox Christian teaching that would say you have to conform to the image of Christ and and the spirit's going to do that mm. in you. So, anyways. Yeah, I don't want to believe something that people have been believing for 1,500 years yeah. or more. I want to believe what I believe. Yeah. You know, and this is my own way. It's so interesting because it feels like what we were taught growing up, Sam, was how to speak to the naturalists, how yeah. to speak to the new atheists, how to speak to people who, like, only believe in science and believe that there's no world out there, no spiritual out there besides it. That's like the modern world, yeah. right? And we really do live in the postmodern world yeah. where it's not about like, I only believe in science. Like people believe in some kind of spirituality, but it's a spirituality they get to define for themselves yeah. and not something that's like a, a historic tradition of anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember, Sam, that story at the Youth Evangelism Conference? I was going to bring it up. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, one of my most shining of moments as a <laughs> follower of the Nazarene. Um, we were, I believe I was a fresh freshman. I believe this was. You were I, in ninth grade. I was in 10th grade. Fresh I was going freshman. into the ninth grade. I was a grown up and it was a conference where they put a bunch of young 
teenage evangelicals in a room and gave them like a stadium, a stadium. not a huge. room, a stadium. We packed it. We packed that stadium and they taught us how to share the gospel in an afternoon and they unleashed us into the city somewhere in probably central Florida. And we went it to... It was, yes. It was like an art festival, right? Chalk art. Chalk art festival. And um, sounds nice, like a good afternoon. Yeah, it was pleasant. It was so fun, it was but we were very stressed because we had to share the gospel. <laughs> we had with a people. quota. Yeah, it, we we, ruined, <laughs> we probably ruined some people's days who were like they're doing. Don't come back here chalk. until you get three converts. Yeah, and there's like a 13 year old me or four, ah, 14 year old me. And no, just to this point, trying to answer questions that people maybe aren't asking. What? From your perspective, what was what? How how did the interaction go? What did I? Well, I just remember this one conversation with this lady in which we were trying so hard to give our rational basis for why faith is true. Amen. And Sam, you came with this story for her about how NASA had found that there was yep. one day missing from the calendar. Yeah, they did. And I have no Ooh. idea what you were talking about, <laughs> to be honest. But and it, you pointed to... Yes, go. To, what? Yeah, it's... You pointed to something you had heard once that said that the story in Joshua where the sun stands yeah. still must be true because NASA... Is missing so. a day. Checkmate, you agnostic. <laughs> Jesus is king. <laughs> Drop your nets. We should go get baptized right now. I will baptize you. That was not her and response. She did not. No, that oh. lady was not interested in that. Which what? I wait, wait, wait. That was such a well thought out argument. Yeah. I totally understand. And her response to us actually was, "Well." Honestly, I can't be a Christian because I'm a lesbian and my sister's a Christian and she doesn't talk to me. Mm. And it was just like, yeah, no rational basis is yeah. going to say anything to you. That's, when that's the other you, box in that Barna study, right? <laughs> like that's the – there's no category for that. Like For personal relationship with Christian who's being mean yeah. and I'm making personal choices that don't line up with Jesus – and so, not interested. Yeah, that's 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 always the challenge too. And I remember learning about this in seminary, uh, in regards to apologetics. If people aren't often argued into the kingdom of heaven, mm. never. Right? When when Jesus yeah. talks to people, it's not because he lays out a good argument. It's because he loves them in their pain. He loves them in their sorrow. He loves them in their hard times. And that's the challenge for us. Um, well, that's why even one of the hymns that we sing at my church is, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by, by our, our love. well rational planned <laughs> arguments about NASA, and they'll be stop being Richard Dawson atheists because of our defense of Genesis. <laughs> no, it's by our love. Is that Newsboys? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. And so no. for me, I think I'm challenged is. You know, same as you guys. I was raised, you know, how do we defend ourselves against the young, restless atheists and the new Dawkins and the new, you know, all of these people? But the challenge is it's hard It's hard to argue against a changed life, right? Mm -hmm. That's where Paul, that's where the, the road to Damascus, the road to Emmaus, his people encountered the risen Christ, and that's what changed them. 
You know, mm. we and that's my hope is you know sure there it's important to have historical proof for why we believe yeah. and what we believe, but in reality, people need to encounter Christ, right? Like, yeah, you should know the Bible. You should know why the Bible's reliable, all this kind of stuff. But all that aside from a transforming relationship with Christ, that's what you need. That's what, that's what like, Paul knew everything about the Old Testament. He was learned mm. man. He knew mm. everything. And yet he wanted to kill people, right? It wasn't until he encountered the risen Jesus that his life was changed. And what it comes down to is you, you can't argue with a life changed, Right, mm. you can't argue with someone who has been transformed by the power of the gospel. Mm. Well said, man. So, how how do we reach these people? Yeah, you know, if that's if that's what they're looking for, they're not looking for the uh, the institution. They're not looking for the good argument. Yeah, you know, what do we do? Well, and that's that's the scary thing, or scary thing, or like that's why we're having these conversations because. That is what I feel like my whole upbringing was surrounded by or like really it circled was the rational argument was the um, like that. I mean, that, that's what I pull out of my pocket. If I'm trying to witness to somebody, it's how do I argue this thing um, logically? Um, and what we're talking about is just as we're looking around at our peers, at the people younger than us, like that's not that's they don't care. <laughs> not they don't care, but just like they don't. They believe some crazy they, stuff that has no rational basis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever held on to a gemstone all day? <laughs> yeah, like the the, I mean, just the archaeological evidence for the faith isn't what is converting people and isn't making people no. go. Maybe this is something I should consider. Like that's not what's driving it. Um, it's something yeah. else. And I think that's what we're talking about. Is like so much of our church has placed. So much of our church structures have placed a lot of emphasis on um, maybe, I don't know, of like just convincing people through that or I don't know. Right. Which is why I just come back to this idea of the new family of God, that it's about creating community where people feel that they truly belong or that they feel like they, that people care about them, that people love them, that people here are real, you know, that there's not this kind of like separation of you're on the stage performing for me and I can't really know what you actually deal with. But these relationships that are more like face to face, side by side, instead of, uh, you know, such that separation and distance. Man, you guys keep making me think of hymns. I am definitely in an old church. I'm a part of the family, the family of That's God. That's a banger. Dude. That's a good one. That one gets the people going. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we need. I think we need more of training people how to to be real people, how to live amongst people who don't know Jesus, uh, and how to share just what Jesus has done in their life. Yep. The paradigm you know. shift of church. Yep, we've got to be we've got to be willing to to transform and change where we need to do that in order to continue to reach. The gospel doesn't change, but the way we present the gospel has to continue to change. Mm. Right? We can't change the message of Jesus, but I don't know about you guys. I don't I don't speak fluent Aramaic. Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, you guys are pretty smart, but I I don't speak fluent Aramaic. So the way that the gospel is been presented has changed. Right? But we need to we need to continue to do that, right? There's something 
that these this next generation is hungry for that the church yeah. is not not yet giving them yeah. that bite to eat. So we got to continue to work to find to scratch that itch to give that drink of water, whatever metaphor about food or sustenance that works <laughs> for you. That's the one I'm talking about. And it's not just the fault of the people the, the, above us. Like it's the work of the church in yeah. every generation in every context. Yeah. Like how do we introduce these people to the gospel in a way that they understand? And the funny thing is like the church that reaches Gen Z is going to be a struggle for their children. Yeah. Like they whoever comes not nah, Gen Alpha isn't Gen Z's children. But when oh, Gen yeah. Z starts okay. having kids, yeah. their kids yes. are going to be like there's no structure, there's no authority. <laughs> like how do we yeah. I need some order in my life. Yeah. You know, it's always a response. Yeah. Yeah, there's always these pendulum kind of yeah. swings. In 80 years, kids are like, hope there'll be some three nerds on a podcast, hopefully having the same conversation, just different. They're gonna yeah. say this church was so just free formy, yeah. and we were always in living rooms. We need to build buildings. Our great grandparents used to have buildings. Yeah. Did you know pastors used to get paid? Why can't we <laughs> Salary, get paid? Pastors, multi people on staff. There were churches that had their own HR director. They had Can you coffee shop. Crazy. <laughs> but when I think about this generation, I think about those just more times in living rooms, more times in the neighborhood, more times on the soccer field, more regular believers and not just pastors or church leaders that live out the gospel in their everyday and normal lives. Yeah. Make the church unprofessional again. <laughs> those are <laughs> those are hats. <laughs> uh i think i think we should do a book st- study on the letters to the church i think that's oh, what we're talking about franny, franny channy as we call him franny channy that's what i'm friends with him so he tells me i can call him that but i mean he's the man who built the mega church and then said this isn't working and left it, Tear it down and 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 he started Missional church movements in which uh, little pockets around neighborhoods with tons of pastors in every home, nobody paid, are all living this out together. In liberal California. In California, which again, like... You mean (laughs) California? Similar... Similar to Tim Keller. I don't actually believe that. Hey, people, I don't don't believe that. I was making a joke. (laughs) Similar to how Tim Keller in New York was kind of a prophetic yeah. voice speaking yes. to the young liberals yeah. of that day That's what I mean by in the 80s and 90s, like Francis Chan is out there in California where they're ahead of us culturally by however many years yeah. because they're so secular and so, you know, worldly and whatever. And yet people there are responding to that expression of the gospel. And I have to say that that expression is scary to me because I can't get paid to work for that kind of church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I would like to, but I truly believe more so that, like, what's most important is that we're all, like, every believer takes responsibility for this mission and to, like, to uh, be each disciple makers. And if it helps to not have, like, a pastor who's paid on the staff, like, to teach the people that we all have to take ownership over this, it's worth it. That's an episode. I keep coming back to We have to have that conversation about should we pay pastors? Stay tuned.
staircase us to somewhere, guys. This has been a lot, um, a lot of good stuff. But what are what are just some takeaways you have? Who are my hippies, right? Who who am I called to continue to reach? Who's not? Who doesn't feel comfortable at Union, my, the mm. name of my church? And how can I make make like we make we say we saved a seat for you, right? We 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 say that. But who am I? Who's not coming, right? Yeah. Who am I not knowing? So that's my everyday challenge for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, personally, I'm just challenged by the like just the call to authenticity in my own life. Like when I talk about when we talk about like this generation, it feels easy to conceptualize that and be data points on a survey, but this generation. Um, is made up of my coworkers and my friends mm-hmm. and my neighbors and mm-hmm. the people I I talk to every day and I want to be somebody who like lives out an authentic faith and a faith that is honest with those people and honest with people um for the sake of like inviting them in and not being like oh yeah I'm this I'm a Christian but that's like you know lofty and inaccessible and not a part of just the fabric of who I am as a person, I don't know. I just want to, I want to lean into that authenticity and just be more honest about what God's doing in my life and um, what he's teaching me and what I'm learning and how I'm growing so that people that don't know Jesus would just feel like naturally brought in to the, the life that I'm getting to experience with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that. Just knowing Jesus for myself. Mm. You know, having a real relationship with him that it's so natural and normal for me to talk about him with people who don't know him because yeah. he's a normal part of my life. You know, and not that I have to think of, ooh, what are the four points of the gospel that I'm going to share <laughs> what with What does them? NASA say? <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, or I need to figure out how to present my four spiritual laws better or whatever. But like just normal, natural, being a, a real person who is in relationship with the king of the yeah. universe who I believe loves me even more than my faults and even more than my worst days and is present with me when I suffer and when I hurt. You know, like, I think that is a truly beautiful story. And I think, you know, Jesus is really important in my life. So why does it feel difficult to share him with people who are not believers? That's good. Good stuff, man. Well, thank you everybody for joining us this evening. With this morning, this commute, this gym workout, however you're listening to this right now. Um, thank you to all of our parents. Sam. Um, and thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. And other Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, thanks, partners. <laughs> thanks, Erica. Woohoo. Um, we would love, love to interact. Thanks, Judah. <laughs> thanks, dogs. Um, we'd love to interact <laughs> with you. We have an email. It's staircasepod at gmail.com. If you want to use that. What was that again? Staircasepod at gmail.com. And stair does have an S-T-A-I-R. Don't forget the I in stair. Not staircase? Not st- but it's, not- it's not staircase. Staircase. You're not staring at cases. Yeah. You're going up a staircase. Don't get... Yeah, well... To- that's our other podcast <laughs> is staircase. It's talking about staring... About glasses. Yeah. Um, the other... But also... Spotify just released this new feature where you can literally respond to episodes in the app super easily. So if you don't want to email us like a millennial and you want to interact with us like a Gen Z, you can just hit that little respond button on the episode. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to like 
Get your questions, feedback, pushback, whatever you have to say. We, we welcome it all. So that's our plug. We also have openings for guests. Yeah. One of us is getting voted off the island soon. So one of us will need to be replaced. <laughs> So if you wanna if you wanna be a guest on the podcast, we have uh, plenty of openings. Yeah, we can't pay you, and we can't work around your schedule. But but maybe people will get saved because of it. Only you Tuesday never nights. know. This has been Staircase to Nowhere. Thanks for joining us. Be blessed. It was nice meeting you.